Hello everybody, this is Kayla here once again, and this is just a reminder that this episode is a part of our back catalog of very early episodes that never actually made it to our podcast feed. So for about 10 Wednesdays in a row, I will be uploading one of our very old back catalog episodes just to have them all available on the podcast feed as well as our YouTube channel. I hope you guys enjoy! Everybody. Welcome back to the Slapping K-Pop Podcast. I'm Maria, and I'm here with Kayla. Hello. And we are going to discuss about one of the best TV shows ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. Mainly in celebration of it finally being available on Netflix for the North American market, I think. Mm-hmm. Which is exciting! Yay! It's so exciting. It's like all we've been doing is rewatching the show. Oh yeah, it's been it's been a time. I just finished the whole series like today, so. <laughs> yes, and we're just so excited about it. And we had talked about recording a podcast on this for a really long time, and since it came out on Netflix, we're like, this is just perfect timing. We have to do the podcast now. Yes, and so it totally connected to K-pop because it's totally K-pop... connected to K-pop. K-pop is from Korea. Guess what? This show was mostly overwhelmingly animated in Korea, which is awesome. So Mm -hmm. shout out to all those awesome Korean animators who worked hard to create and help, like, create the um, visual imagery of such an amazing TV show. So Mm -hmm. shout out to them. Yes. All right. So I guess we will start off with um, kind of our personal history of the show. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I was a kid, I watched it, I think, straight from the beginning or close to it. And I, I always paid attention to when episodes were on. And yeah, I remember when I was 12, like, moving from television to television <laughs> because of... um. Whatever my parents were using the TV, they're like, Maria, I want to watch my show. So I'm like moving from the <laughs> living room television to the television in the kitchen to like my, the one that's in the basement, you know, just trying to watch <laughs> the whole of Zosin's Comet, all four mm-hmm. parts. And yeah, I just remember being very excited and my parents just being very confused why I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, this was. This show had such a huge impact on me, just not just as a kid, but just in general. Like, it tied into, like, say, my interest into, like, you could say, like, the pre-interest into, into like, Asian media, media or, like, media that had a clear influence from, like, Asian cultures and whatnot. Right, right. And this was just, like, one of those things that just happened before I got into K-pop. But and it left a big impact on me. It really was a show that showed for me how to make a well-crafted story and, like, how to end a show. Because I feel like not too many shows 
and have good endings. I mean, Lost's ending, I remember from when I watched that, was kind of eh, could have been better. Oh god, yeah. And then I, I don't watch Game of Thrones. That's but like maybe the biggest I... disappointment, like disappointment of a finale final season ever. Oh yeah, I've heard a lot about that finale season. So it just makes me even more grateful that the creators, even if even though it was really popular, they stopped when they stopped. You know. Oh yeah. And it just worked. It helped complete the story. They were done with that story. Right. Even though they did continue in the comics, still they're still making comics for these characters after the war and kind of the issues you would expect to see kind of from modern times like with globalization and like you know colonial territories and dealing with all that kind of stuff and it's still i would recommend checking out those comics but like that initial story it just left such an impact on me especially with the topics it handled um which we could probably get into a little bit later, but Mm -hmm. it was stuff that you couldn't really see from any other kids show really at the time. And I feel like I'm starting to see it more in recent years, especially with streaming becoming really popular, because I think they're more willing to like play with that stuff a little bit personally. But I think a show like Avatar was like a huge influencer trying to touch up on those things. Mm-hmm. Like like um like with genocide and with like totalitarianism and like that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of like the entire series as a whole has this like overarching like war themes to it, which is not something you see very often in, in shows, like especially kids shows. Like that's usually just way too serious of a topic that people want to cover in something that they're making for children. And so I, when I was watching this show, I didn't watch it nearly as regularly as a child because I would just sort of see episodes on TV if they were there, and I just kind of watched it really casually. I wasn't following um, the new episodes nearly as much as Maria was, but I did then binge watch the entire thing while I was in high school um, because I had a lot of friends who were really into it and recommended that I watch the whole series, and so... I watched the whole thing in high school over, like, a Christmas break one year, and it was fantastic. And honestly, I feel like watching it at an older age, like, was really cool because I did appreciate a lot of the darker themes that were happening in the show. And so I still really enjoyed it at, like, an older age. I mean, I still enjoy the show now, so I think it's really... um, a testament to how well the show holds up, how it's so much more than just, like, a children's show. It really can pull in, like, all different age groups for it. I mean, it also went to number one on Netflix. Yeah. Like, their top ten. If that... And that... This is after 15 years it aired. Because everyone who watched it as a kid, like, absolutely loves it. I I don't know of anyone who is a fan... Like, who has watched this show and absolutely hated it. Like, I just don't know anyone like that. Well, there might have been people who were more indifferent to it, but I never heard really negative comments about this show if they did watch it. You right. Know? But yeah, uh, speaking of the show, um, <laughs> do we want to talk about our nice little um, yes, tier list? Because the two of us have gone through the painstaking process of making a tier list for every single episode in the series. So, um... I guess we'll mainly talk about um, my absolute goat tier episodes. 
and then talk about my worst by default episodes mm-hmm. and then maybe get into a couple other like notable scenes from some episodes in between that realm yeah so absolute all-time favorite episode for sure hands down is Sozin's Comet part four because again this show basically taught me how to make a great ending and this episode was just completely worth it to me it was completely worth it to sit through the other prior 60 episodes of this show and like watch them all and it's just a, such a sad it's just such a satisfying ending for i think pretty much all of our main characters oh yeah for zuko's character growth the fate of Azula, uh, Ain's character growth into becoming a fully realized avatar, him winning a fight by not going against his morals with, you know, energy bending, um, and just the relationships that are formed at the end. Um, and yeah, everyone kind of that deserves a ha- nice, happy ending got that really for this story. And it's just completely satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I have all of Zozin's comments, parts one through four, in my, like, goat-tier episodes. It's just such a good finale, and I really like how it's four parts, because they really give it enough time to develop, like, this, the ending story in general. And, like, the last episode is just absolutely fantastic. It's so oh, yeah. It, the, the four... Oh, same with me, too. The four parts are all my go-tier, just in different sections. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, part three is actually um, my second favorite, especially for not just the beginning of Zozin's and Aang's fight and how that starts, but also for the Agni Kai between Zuko and Azula. The music... So good. The music in that fight scene is so good. It's so good. Everything <laughs> so about good. that is so good. And it's like funny because it's literally watching to, you know, the forces of good and evil in the form of siblings literally clash with each other. Like watching two dragons literally fighting each other, which is which is funny because it's the royal family and whatnot. But it it was such like a great character arc for both of them and then also watching Azula just descend in, into madness especially with that scene when she's in front of the mirror oh, trying yeah. to fix up her hair mm-hmm. but she's also in like a messed up state because of what happened with uh, the betrayal in her eyes of May and Ty Lee back in the Day of Blacks yeah, uh, yeah. part 2 and oh that was it, Boiling Rock part 2 Oh, oh, sorry, The Boiling Rock Part 2. Goodness. Still a great episode. Um, but yeah, it it was such a great lead-up, and I just absolutely love the parts of featuring mainly Zuko and Azula in that episode. Yeah, it it's so great. good. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, third favorite, Southern Raiders. Lord. Yeah, that's also in oh. my top tier. Oh yeah, it's just <laughs> again. Um, this was such a perfect way to end Katara's big overall story arc, because when you li- watch the series, you know a lot of her what motivates her 
is defined by what happened to her mom. And so this episode kind of gives her the closure of, like, that. And her kind of coming to terms about learning about forgiveness and also just knowing kind of, like, when not to full-on act on revenge, really. Yeah. At least towards more of the end of the episode. Um, and Zuko, in a way, did help with that, mainly by feeding, helping feed into her, I think, more rage side. But ba- but that was balanced out with kind of Ains, um, I guess you could say, suggestions in the beginning of the episode, or guidance, but which I think eventually came to the to the forefront at the end of the episode instead of like really harming you know the man who she found that killed her mom you know she does show some mercy even though we know she's not gonna forgive him which is fair right i mean yeah. but she does end up forgiving zuko mm-hmm. you know and that's also a really good episode to sort of put a lot of closure on their relationship too because a lot of i think the hatred she has from zuko also stems from the loss of her mother and the Fire Nation, and Zuko just even being, like, associated with the Fire Nation in general, so I think that's also a really good part of that episode. Oh, yeah. Being a part of the family whose direct ancestors caused this whole war in the first place, so, you know, her coming to terms that, you know, there can be good people within the Fire Nation, too, as well. Favorite episode of season two, The Crossroads of Destiny. I have that as my top favorite episode. It's so good. What a cliffhanger, girl. You did not watch this live when you were younger, right? I did not. Just to clarify. No. This was so hard, because we had to wait about a year for season three, (laughs) and we had to end with that ending. Oh my god, Hang <laughs> like, essentially, torture. like, dead, or it's, like, possibly dead. Oh yeah, that was torture! It was such a good cliff ending, because it was just, like, what the heck? Everything fell apart, literally, and, oh, he could be dead, we don't know. Yeah, it was insane, and it, it, it was just, like, Iroh gave himself up. Zuko gave in to his I guess long-term desires of yeah. being accepted I, by his family. That's such a good Zuko episode. Oh yeah, because it show because it makes sense. Uh, yeah. Oh like, yeah. Of course he's not gonna turn around that quickly. Right. You know he's still trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, because at the end of book two, Zuko is sort of I think he's like heavily questioning sort of his life and the Fire Nation and everything because Iroh has sort of been teaching him like acting as like the actual father figure he he needs and sort of teaching him more on like the side of like war is like not always the answer to everything and like impressing your father doesn't have to be the entirety of like of your existence and i think um at crossroads of destiny he is like sort of like he's like thinking about it but he's not fully sold on it but i think he really did need to like go back to the fire nation and experience like things from that side of the war in order to like fully solidify like the ideas that Iroh has been telling him all this time so exactly and it caused him to be separated from Iroh which ultimately was probably good for him because it led to him to figure stuff out in his own without his without having the mentor figure I also thought this was a great episode for Aang as well oh yeah because you know especially seeing his morals Mm -hmm. you know with him choosing you know his more earthly attachments, I guess, 
to um power you know it's very in my eyes it's very respectable and it and ultimately he kind of does it just to kind of save him and Katara and just to try to get out of a situation not to just abuse power which I completely respect and it, it it's a precursor to I think what ends up happening within Soza's comet and the conflict oh of, for sure he's like I do I have kill to kill him or not yeah, yeah. which I also I love the energy I love that that it came to the energy I know. ending thing. I too. love I that is like the absolute perfect ending for Aang and the Fire Lord. It's just that is such a good way to end it. Yeah, he was able to win without compromising his morals. Which is great. And so next one, The Day of Black Sun Part Two. Ooh, okay. Day of Black Sun. Oh, this one was a fun one to me. I just love it. The I big love that action. those episodes, yeah. Oh yeah, I love the big action scene episodes, and like it's it's great to see all the other minor characters come together and like go and fight. And it, it I like watching sometimes those kind of more war tactical episodes. Yeah, because this is one of the only episodes where it feels like they're fighting like an actual war. Because a lot of the time they're flying around and they're dealing with separate problems, but this is just like a full out like war battle episode. Yeah. You see, like, the scale, the, the scale of, like, what's going on, and them trying to get a taste of victory, even though it's a failure, you know? But I think it's also a good lesson that sometimes you need to fail certain battles to eventually win the more important ones, you know? And I think this is kind of, like, a good lesson episode for that. And also, Zuko confronting his father. Oh, that's so like, good. Like, in this one. Yeah. So good. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Just standing up to him, redirecting the lightly lightning like back at him. It was just so good on his end. And just um and I think just it's I mean, I'll get into it more in day in the um other part, but watching Sokka again in this episode shied as oh, kind of he, like the yeah, leader he's tactical so good guy. in this episode, yeah. Oh, he's fantastic. Fan, fantastic. It's like one of the times where he isn't just there like purely for comic relief and you see like how important like his actual like intelligence and like tactical skills are. It's so good. Yeah, and how he does make like a good kind of military-esque leader, you mm -hmm. know? When, when push comes to shove, of course. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I got Zuko alone. Ooh. Which, truth be told, I did not really care for this episode as a kid. I'm not going to lie. Mm hmm And I think it was because a lot of it was just like, at the time, I wasn't really crazy over Zuko until season, like, three. Yeah. But now watching that episode as an adult, I'm mm -hmm. like, damn, that episode is phenomenal it's so good it's so good and i'm like mad younger me didn't see this but you know right, right. time changes things i feel apparently. like younger me definitely thought that was a boring episode because there's not a lot happening but it's just it's so good it's so good for zuko character development and the ending of it is really sad but i also feel like it's a very realistic ending for it too oh yeah yeah even though like you know he comes across the town, there's these kind of thuggish, like, I guess, um, it sounds like mercenary-type military guys yeah. that are, like, being jerks in the town. A family takes him in, the son of that family has an interest in him, mm -hmm. um, 
and then like eventually he saves the kid, but he has to fire Ben, and then everyone's pissed at him mainly because he reveals himself, yeah. which is fair. Mm-hmm. Especially you know th- that family was talking about their son going off and fighting in the war. It's kind of like the last thing they want to see is a firebender right, right. in their face and hiding in plain sight. Mm-hmm. And then of course we find out more about his backstory and yeah, kind um, of what happened so to good. his mom's disappearance and mm-hmm. even at an early age how kind of uh, cruel Azula was. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah, and just him growing up and kind of seen that he's not like a evil kid he was just kind Mm -hmm. of had i guess bad influences around him as a child you know to get to what he was at that time Mm -hmm. yeah it's just a great character study episode of zuko and you really understand more about his motivations and like why he's doing what he's doing Mm -hmm. And you feel bad for him. <laughs> he had you a do. Tough life, even though he grew up in royalty with yeah. like, you could literally probably get anything he wanted, but yet he was right. still so miserable. You know, Zuko definitely becomes like more likable the more episodes like that feature him, and like the more the series go on. So like the in book one, he's really, really just like villainous and unlikable entirely up until like probably the like, the finale, and then he gets a lot of development in book two, and then a t- more, like, a ton more in book three, and by the end, like, obviously he joins Team Avatar, and so it's, like, he has such a, probably the best character arc, I would say, out of anyone on the show. He really does. I mean, in general, he has one of the best character arcs, like, ever. He mm-hmm. is, he in my eyes, he has the best redemption story arc that I've ever seen from, like, a TV show. It's just so like, well-written, and it's, like, so gradual, too, and, like, everything he does, like, makes sense for, like, where he is at, like, at that point in the story, and it's just, it's so good. Yeah, you know, it, it makes sense why it also takes time for him to, like, change over himself over time, because it's just... You know, it you don't change that quickly overnight. You know, it always it always takes time and for him it was a good gradual change over the course of like what, a year in that story time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it worked out well, I think. Alright. And then the next uh episode on here is uh part two where Aang, you know, is chilling on the back of the giant lion turtle. Oh the lion turtle, yeah. Yeah, and then um, where the rest of the guys um, go find the White Lotus Order, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or Order of the White Lotus, and uh, we get to see all the other prior masters, and then we get the nice, lovely Zuko and Iroh reunion. Oh, I love that so much. Oh. I cry every time so I watch that satisfying. scene. It's so good. I almost cried. I almost cried. That's so... <laughs> That's oh, such, I love that scene. It's it's just so emotional because it's just like you know Iroh still loves Zuko. That mm-hmm. never changed. It was more or less he was just upset that he just kind of, in his words, lost his way. Yeah, and but then also, Zuko is uh, afraid that Iroh's like gonna hate him, and like Iroh is just like always had like nothing but love for him, and it's just adorable to see that recognition like finally when they have their reunion. Oh yeah. And then, um, 
I say this is also a great episode for Ain as well, with him, you know, really trying to figure out, get in touch with his past lives, of what to do mm-hmm. with this, you know, issue of killing the Fire Lord. And then ultimately comes down to an ancient giant uh, line turtle who gave him the wisdom, which ended up being um, uh, energy bending. Right, right. Which is also like a, you know, a great precursor. And that line turtle conveniently brings him to the the battle site, which is like the line turtle knew what was up. Clearly, he sees the future. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a good um, uh, build up into, uh, you know, from part one and into part three. Uh, next one, Boiling Rock, part two, finally, Ooh. correct one that I was ta- trying to talk about. <laughs> um, I still enjoy Boiling Part Rock, part one, but I brought it more to Wicked Awesome because I feel like more the stakes happen in part two. To me personally, and yeah, it, most it just, of the good story is in part two, I think. Oh yeah, it's like filled with such good action and fight scenes, and you know, Sokka and his dad are reunited again. Mm-hmm. He finds his, you know, his girlfriend Suki, and Suki's just Suki is best girl. Yeah, she's Leave like the most badass character best on this show. Best I love. She's so good. <laughs> she's so great. I mean. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then um, and then of course we get another nice May and Tylee coming back, and I feel like this was actually a great episode for May. It I don't was. think a lot of people talk about her for this episode, but this was such a good episode for her. She, you really see what this character is truly about. She could give a care in the world about really what the Fire Nation is doing. She just happens to be a citizen living within it. For her, she cares more about loyalty to people than loyalty to... Yeah, for sure. I guess country in this case. Right, right. You know, for her, ultimately, at the end of the day, she cares about Zuko more than Azula. Mm -hmm. You know, Zuko is more important to her. And even though he dumped her mainly to protect her, and of course, she's reasonably upset about that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she still to protect him because she cares because that's who she trusts that's who she cares about the most at this point you know which I admire that Mm -hmm. you know she's I like that aspect you know she's loyal to people than to you know greater things I guess Mm -hmm. for sure Um, but yeah also the whole escape plan from the boiling rock is just a fun high speed energy like chase to get out yes. of that bike giant hot steaming lake like, volcano whatever volcano water i don't know it, yeah. was, it was just hot and hot boiling water water yeah. <laughs> you know boiling rock that's why might boiling give you an rock indication, right yeah <laughs> might give you some indication yeah but yeah this was clearly the better part of that two-part thing but it just the conclusion was just satisfying. Yeah, I have Boiling me. Rock one and two in goat tier just because I feel like I have a hard time separating like part one and part two of like these like multiple part episodes. Um there's only one case where I really did because I felt 
the episodes didn't go together quite as well as um some of these other ones do and that's the um winter solstice part one and two i think are a little bit more separate stories than the other like several part episodes but because of that i usually will keep like all parts of like one overarching storyline together in my tier rankings that's I'm impressed by that, actually, because I have multiple parts, like, split up in different <laughs> sections. I usually, it's because I think I have a hard time, like, splitting off of the part one and the part two into, like, their own separate thing, because I view them more as, like, one complete story together, so that's also why I have, like, a bunch of the bossing Say episodes together, because I view that, like, totally as, like, sort of one cohesive story, too. Oh, yeah. I agree. And I agree with um, the Winter Solstice. It really did feel like almost two different episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really just the information from the Spirit World in part one that was transferred over to part two that really connects it to me right, directly. Right. But otherwise, it just feels like kind of two different stories. Yeah. But yeah. So next one for me on my go tier The Ember Island Player. <laughs> Oh, I love this episode so much! <laughs> it's such a fun episode. It's fun. It's probably my favorite, like, fun filler-like episode, honestly, ever from the show. It's a it's a good way to recap the season. It's like a really they, it's like a really well executed, like, fun way to do like a recap on the season. It's clever because they do it with that, I guess, fictionalized play version of their adventures you know it Mm -hmm. brings like the season one episodes back in the focus and stuff from season two you know it exaggerates a lot of things it pokes fun at at itself using the play and at the characters Mm -hmm. and brings apart interesting things from like theater whatnot like for example um the actor for or actress for Ain is portrayed by a woman Mm-hmm. Which is common in like theater, especially for like Peter Pan. Right, right. Act roles for like, like the young, young boy boys characters are portrayed yeah. by women. So mm-hmm. it it's like that's not it's it's actually quite common, whether Ain likes that or not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and it's just you know it's just a fun way to like kind of do one last final lighthearted episode before things get real. <laughs> Yes, with Selson's comment. For sure. But, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next, Selson's comment part one. Again, I think the endings of their story arcs are better than the beginnings, but this was such a great way to start off the finale with it, Zuko finally telling the group after, I guess, having a nice little attack on Ain for him not caring as much about the comment. Um revealing what the Fire Lord's plan was going to do, and it's just like, oh my god, they are going there in this type of show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really are. Which, yeah, to really drive home, like, this guy sucks and needs to go away. Yeah. But, and also, of course, leads to Aang's conflict of, like, oh man, I have to kill this guy, do I? But I don't want to. It feels wrong right, to do right. so. So, yeah, that was a good setup to continue through the rest of Zoza's comment. And I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Also, it was just fun to watch him kind of have a little beach day at secretly hiding at the Fire Lord, you know, oh, yeah, summer yeah. house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hiding in plain sight. I right, love it. Right. And then, yeah, Day of Black Sun, part one, is next. Mm-hmm. It's a 
I, I preferred part two more, but, like, part one is still a great intro, ep like, episode for the story arc of The Day of Black Sun. Yeah. I just love um, the ending part of the series where they bring together all of these, like, side characters that we had, you thought they were just ever gonna talk about again, but I absolutely love that everyone is brought back for this, like, final battle. I love battle. it, because it makes those, like, it. side stories still important, mm -hmm. which ultimately they were. Those little right. bits and little mini filler seemingly filler episodes become important at the end with everyone trying to do a smaller invasion on the fire nation with the stuff they learned from the library you know right right yeah and it was you know the stakes were high you know and Katara had a moment i like yeah. that that's just mm -hmm. me though <laughs> uh that's just me but it it was stuff that was culminating up for a while like right. It showed up in subtle forms. It was more obvious, especially on Aang's side. He definitely didn't keep his secret that he was into her. And Katara, I think, it doesn't show as obvious, but through her actions, you kind of have a feeling she cares deeply about Aang. Right. You know, a lot. And that, and especially from, like, um, the Awakening, you know, you kind of see her reaction to him leaving. It's just kind of like, you care, girl. You care so much. It's mm -hmm. more than just a usual caring, in my eyes. Mm -hmm. And so, him being all like, I don't know if I'm going to come back, you know, just kind of hit home. It's like, oh, damn. He, he decided to shoot a shot before it was could potentially be too late. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I like that one for that reason. Yeah. And then, finally, some book one episodes. Um, Siege of the North, part two. Good, uh... really great ending to the first book. Yeah. You know, we saw the unfor unfortunate demise of Yue becoming the moon, but was a great way to see self-sacrifice because, you know, her of our care for the world and right. making sure things would be in balance. You know, I like seeing that from her. Um, and just, it just, it was a good conclusion. Aang becoming a big giant spirit monster, pushing away those little fire navy <laughs> ships um mm -hmm. it was just a good it was a great fun conclusion to the first book um it was and i really like to... i the finale episodes for each of the books are fantastic they again they know how to end these storylines well and i'm just like can more shows do that <laughs> <laughs> and then we got uh the storm next Oh, okay. Um, this one, I think a lot of people don't really think of how great this episode is. And it actually impressed me a lot as a kid. But I respect it so much more that I'm older. Because this episode is essentially about... There's a storm that comes through. Um, and it reveals things about Aang and Zuko about their past. Mm -hmm. With Aang, it was about the events leading up to him running away from the air nomads and then for Zuko it was the events leading up to how he got his scar on his face and really kind of showed the motivations for both of them and kind of the duality of both how yeah. they're on different sides of the same coin you know they both are driven by guilt and regret by actions in the past 
that they want to try to fix and they're trying to not let these actions hold them back and it just continues to be a burden for them right and it ties them more closer than one would think and i love seeing that mm-hmm. like come alive because you don't i feel like you don't really see that again with like a kid's show that complexity amongst two characters who are t- technically supposed to be like you know antagonists to each other but yet they're the fact that they show that how similar they are is like impressive mm-hmm. and then a uh, couple more for me the tales of bossing say yes oh man That's such a good I, episode. I really do love all these episodes especially especially iros iros is maybe that one that is made me cry. so good it's so sad <laughs> i cried i cried no i cried too for sure oh my goodness it, it's it's just so emotional and it's a great way to explore bossing say as well kind of just to see these characters interact with this big giant city megal megatropolis mm-hmm. it's huge it takes up a good portion of the continent bossing say of the earth kingdom um it is fun for them to kind of have them doing their own little mini adventures yeah. while in the midst of gearing up of trying to find Appa again and trying to brace for what becomes of the end of the second book. Mm-hmm. And it gives some great character insight to like to Iroh, uh, Toph even. I want to say Toph as well and her and what makes her her. And I loved like watching that as I just well. love the bits of like individual like character development that you get from like so many of um like the main cast during that mm-hmm. episode it's so fun and then finally we got from my goatier Lake Lao guy because we Ooh. get to see how corrupted the Dai Li are <laughs> <laughs> and the Dai Li I think are probably some of the coolest villains in this whole show because it, they come off with the very Orwellian 1984 vibes. Kind of reminds yeah. me of, like, things from, like, the Cultural Revolution in China and that sort of stuff. It's, like, that kind of creepy secret agents from, like, the government. And they're doing kind of messed up things behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And we get to see how bad they are in full force. Like, we see... What happens with all the Judies getting brainwashed and, like, being, you know, programmed through brainwashing, like, I am Judy. Yeah. There is no war in Bossing Say <laughs> kind of deal, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we also see, you know, kind of the early stages of Katara beginning to trust people who've wronged her with, like, yeah. Jet. Yeah. Jet was, whatever happened between her and Jet in this episode was a precursor to what would happen with uh, Zuko and her. Oh, yeah. Even though we know that at the end, well, the creators said that he dies, but it's very implied it's very that he implied does not that make he just it, dies there, which is yeah. sad. It's, it's and sad. And also, um, Zuko in this episode, where he finally does, starts to do the right thing after a very great yes. angry speech from Iroh. Mm-hmm. Where he frees Appa and ditches the blue spirit garb and tries to become a new. Mm-hmm. And his struggle with trying to 
you know, figure out what's right and what's wrong. Right. And I loved watching that. Oh, I love that. That Lake Loud Guy is one of my favorite episodes. It's so good. <laughs> Lake Loud Guy is great. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one that I have differently is I have City of Walls and Secrets also in GOAT tier for me. Um, just because I am such a big fan of that, like, Fossing Say arc, and I feel like City of Walls and Secrets is, like, a really good lead-in episode to, like, Tales of Fossing Say and then Lake Loud Guy, because that's when you first sort of are introduced to the Dai Li and the, like, corruption that's there, and I really like that. The only one, um, I have the Earth King is the only episode sort of in that um, Fossing Say arc that I have in a lower tier, just because, um, bless the Earth King's heart, because he's, like, such a, such a pure, like, nice man, but he's he just is. been, like, <laughs> manipulated his entire life by the Dai Li, and I think that what is going on in that episode is important, but I think it's a little bit less compelling than, um, City of Walls and Secrets and Lake Loud Guy is, but... Yeah, I, love I agree that with arc. City of Walls and Secrets, because that, like... It kind of establishes Bossing Say as a character in of itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, the city is a character with smaller components, in this case, different groups of people, causing, stirring drama and trouble around. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And yeah. then, do you want to have any other... Um, commentary so, on some of the go tier the only or... other the only other thing i just wanted to mention about like the other episodes in general besides like our least favorite ones is what is your opinion on jet as a character because i know that that is a he's very controversial in terms of people ha- absolutely hating him or like liking him a lot so i just would like I to mean, know what you think of him for me i've come to like him Mm-hmm. Of course, with Jet, I'm like, okay, you're a jerk, you're manipulating people, but also you're doing the wrong actions to try to make a point to like get revenge on the fire nation, fire on the fire nation by hurting people who aren't directly involved. Mm-hmm. So, and then ultimately he becomes, I think, good. He redeems himself. Yeah. So I like him by the end. I really like that he sort of gets, like, the mini Zuko redemption arc, and um, back when I had, like, watched the series in high school, I think I forgot about Jet as a character as a whole, and so I wasn't expecting him to show up again in the whole end of the um, book two, but I really appreciate how they, like, sort of took the time to, like, give him his own, like, redemption arc, and so I like, he is obviously, like, a pretty bad person in, um, the book one when he is about to kill an entire village just to get rid of the fire nation there but i think that what you see of him in like the end part of book two is really good and i really like his character story there i also kind of want to shout out a few other episodes too mm-hmm. won't go too in depth but um yeah blind bandit blind great bandit introduction great. to toph that's such a good puppet master i love that yeah puppet master so good that's like a horror movie that episode Let's see, Firebending Masters, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the Beach, I think, is really good, too. That's a good The Chase story. and the Drill. The Chase. Fun action yeah. episodes. I would like to say that the really big part of The Chase that is makes the entire episode for me is that ending part where it's Azula versus, like, Zuko and Iroh and then, all, like, Aang and friends. I love, I love that scene so much. Oh, yeah. That was, like, a great, like, staging and setup. Because somehow, even with what six people on her she still gets away and it's like damn she is powerful (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
the Zerder, I think, is kind of underrated. Mainly oh, I'm, with how it I'm affects not a big fan Aang of that how one. we use firebending. Yeah. Um, the beach, cool insight into the um, Fire Nation gain of characters. Mm-hmm. I have the uh, Blue Spirit yeah. pretty high up on my list. I like that episode a lot. Oh, yeah, the Blue Spirit as well. That's my um, favorite I book one episode by far. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. Uh, any other episodes you want to highlight, Kayla? Uh, that's probably it of the ones um, that I like a lot. All right. And then we got, for me, my worst by default, because I actually don't hate these episodes. Yeah. But I think they have some more noticeable problems in yes, them. Yes, for sure. Let's let's get the first one out of the way. Great Divide. Great Divide is such a bad episode. <laughs> I don't hate Great Divide. It's so but stupid. But it is easily the worst it's in this easy, whole series. It's, like the it's most, easily the worst. It's the most useless, like, plot element ever. And it's just, like, it's, like, so unimportant to the overall storyline. Like, the two, though, you never see those people again. They're in such a petty argument. And it's, like, it's just not great. Honestly, the reason why I hated it the most was how annoying they were. They're I was so like, we annoying. get it. You hate each other because of a weird history event that no one remembers the details fully. Mm-hmm. Great. You guys bicker like children. Fantastic. I almost do I seem like care. it's fi- fitting that they make up because Aang just, like, literally tells them a lie. And it's like, you guys are so stupid. I'm just going to, like, lie about a historical event and you're going to get over it. And that's also my other issue, is Aang lying, because it just doesn't yeah. make sense for his character it's at weird. all. It's weird. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. But I do like the idea of him trying to be a peacekeeper, in a way, and also him kind of, like, taking care of business, like when, you know, the other two idiot tribes bring food into the canyon. Yeah, yeah. He ultimately uses that to actually help them get out, right. which works great. Mm-hmm. Him being resourceful, I like seeing that, but that's pretty much it yeah. of that episode. Um, Balto, Balto, Balto of the, of the water, water tribe, yeah. That's how you say it. Another I'm not torn great in this one. one, because like, there are elements I really like, but then the thing that kills it for me is Aang's, Aang. again, his character. He's really killing episode. that episode, yeah. It's like him lying about the letter. It just doesn't make sense. It's so imma- it make it's sense. like so immature, but it's it's like definitely more immature than Aang usually is. And Exactly. Which I mean he's a, you know, he's supposed to be he's like, like twelve, 12 or years 13. old, so it's it's fine, but it's like it's just not like another level of like just like it, it's like they needed to have some type of like petty conflict and that was the best they could really give it but it's it's still yeah. it really kills that episode for me and it's a shame because Balto's Bato seems like a cool guy and oh, like yeah. the whole thing with the nunnery and the perfumes and the shirshu and june mm-hmm. especially when june comes in later at the end mm-hmm. of the series i thought that aspect was cool and i like the oh, fight yeah. between him and zuko but right. like the whole thing with him lying about the letter and then Sokka's and Katara's kind of overreaction, I feel like, is yeah. weird. It's, it's, it was just they needed to create some type of a conflict there, and it was like it was just not as well executed as a lot of the other episodes were. Oh, yeah. And then uh, we got Avatar Day. Yeah, Avatar Easily Day. the worst episodes of season it's two. It's so bad. It's just like, 
I get it. There are going to be people that don't love the Avatar. Yeah. Fantastic. Because of XYZ, dumb reason. Mm -hmm. Even though Chin the Conqueror was pretty bad. Fucking bad dude, yeah. It, it, this town is just weird. It's it just weird doesn't town. make sense. We don't come back to this town. I know, it's bad. I feel like the only cool episodes of this parts of this episode sorry um is like kiyoshi learning more a little bit more about right. her backstory it's like the only good thing about that is you see more kiyoshi but that's that's not enough to really save it and then the rough riders them oh man all, constantly reoccurring again yeah you know showing up throughout the series even though at some point we don't know what happens to them yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh the other episode i because i think those are your only three worst by default right? i have one more actually oh i also okay What's your other one? Is it the is it the one you have? I have the fortune teller on mine. Oh, I actually like that one. <laughs> I thought it was okay. For me, the my other worst one is the swamp because oh, the swamp. why a swamp? <laughs> why a swamp of all locations? <laughs> I have I the mean... swamp in okay, so it's like not really like that much better than these other episodes. But I I don't I don't mind it as much as some other people. I like the way how it's like, oh, we're connected to the earth, yada, I do, yada, I do like a lot we of that, and cool. I like the elements of when they sort of get separated and have, like, sort of, like, spiritual, like, visions or whatever, because that's one sort of Aang first, like, sees Toph and knows that she's supposed to be, like, earthbending teacher, so I really, I do like some of the elements of the swamp, which okay. um, <laughs> I don't mind, so I don't mind it as much as some other people. That's fair, that's fair. Yeah, it's just, like... I just can't take the Swamp Enders as, like, intimidating enemies, because they're basically stereotypes of, like... They really the are. Cajun Bayou people, I yeah. feel like. Especially with the banjo playing in the background oh every time God, they come yeah. up on screen. It's, <laughs> it's funny. It's, like, such a, it's such a stereotype of, like, like whatever, it's like these, like, country swamp people you think would be... It's, yeah. It's, like, it reminds me of, um... Uh, Splash Mountain. I'm like, it's oh, like yeah. Splash Mountain, except for people that mm -hmm. bend water. Mm -hmm. Also cool that there is waterbenders in the Earth Kingdom, but mm -hmm. yeah. So I have but I have the fortune teller down there because I find everyone in that episode insufferable. It's I oh. have like similar problems with it that I have with Avatar Day. It was like every single person here is just so annoying and like so stupid, and I like could not get over it. It just, like, made me angry the entire time I was watching the episode. Damn. I did not feel angry. I'm, like, it's probably because my little ship are hard. It's just, like, oh, my God, this is cute. <laughs> but, yeah, mainly the townspeople. The townspeople kind of and then the, this, like, the fortune-telling woman. I was just, like, they're so, I was just, like, I can't. I was, like, I couldn't deal with that. <laughs> I don't blame you for on that end. Yeah. But, yeah, I love... I mainly love Aang just, like, stopping this volcano from, like, you know, destroying a town. Yeah. His resourcefulness for, like, her, his isn't Katara's for, like, creating the clouds. Right, to right. To finally get people to listen, which is smart. Yeah. And just uh, Katara coming to a realization of, like, oh, he is powerful. The feeling, she's starting to catch feelings. Yeah. <laughs> it. She, it's, the seeds are slowly being planted, <laughs> you know. I'm like, I love it. Yeah. Salty, let's go. <laughs> but yeah. That probably wraps up um, what we have to say of the tier list for our episode rankings. Yes, I feel content. Yes, <laughs> definitely. 
All right. And then speaking of Katane, or yeah. say Tutara, right? A little discussion about that mm -hmm. because back in the day, this was a there's a big ship wars happening. Thing. Ship wars, the origins of the OG TV ship wars of modern times. You know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean. If you want to go first on this, go ahead, you know. Okay, so I, I don't like either of them, is my stance on it. I feel like I don't like Katara with Aang, because I feel like Katara is too much of a sister figure to, uh, to Aang, and she was almost like a babysitter at points to him in parts of the series, and so I really don't like their relationship on that front, but I also really don't like her with Zuko, because her and Zuko, I think, have a lot of emotion it's like well Zuko isn't as doesn't have the emotional trauma from Katara but Katara definitely has like tons of emotional trauma dealing with the Fire Nation and with Zuko just because he had been hunting them for so long and so they do get over it at the end of the season but I f still feel like there's a little bit too much there for them to have like a successful relationship so I really not a fan of either of them if um, you had to force me to ship Katara with someone, I'd probably pick Haru because Haru is like the most like just <laughs> generic, like Earth Kingdom boy, and it's just like sure, like that that probably work out fine. I mean, he did come back in uh, was it Day of Black Sun with a nice little goatee yeah, mustache they, they, thing going on. And I've seen people say that they literally gave him like a mustache just to eliminate him as a love interest from Katara. <laughs> I mean, Ain eventually gets, like, a whole beard thing going on when he's he an does. adult, so. Mm -hmm. she, she, if she doesn't like mustaches, she at least likes the sideburns beard thing. I feel like mustaches look better when you have, like, a beard, so maybe he's got, like, that is, he's got that going for him. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, for me, I'm not a Zutara shipper, but definitely more of a Katane shipper. I do agree with you and her being sometimes too motherly, but I feel like it's not just limited to Ain. It's definitely more applicable to, like, her closest yeah. friend. Like, Katara and, like, is, like, definitely members. the mom friend. Like, that's just who she is. She is the she mom is. friend, for sure. And, and she's, like, I think with, with Ain, it's more obvious his feelings for her. Yeah. But with her, it's definitely more subtle. And I like kind of, like, the more smaller moments with her, kind of, like, the way she talks about Ain, the way she cares for him, it's definitely different. Mm -hmm. Not completely, but it is different when compared to other, right. like, main characters. It's kind of like she definitely cares more. There's just a, there's something in Ain her that she feels more caring about to him. Right, right. You know, it's I like watching that kind of slow burn and the little points, like, with him giving her a betrothal necklace, like, yeah. the parallels of him waking up to see Earth's face mm -hmm. in, like, season one and season two, you know? Right, right. I, I like watching those moments, honestly. Mm -hmm. It just... And I know we haven't really talked about the comics too much, but, like, the comics, um, they definitely go into more about how just on, like, a good chunk of the moral stuff they just align with. They're just like, yeah, which, I do. I, know, I do definitely see do, that. Yeah. Like, like going into like it makes sense why they would be like a good married couple. It just like it makes sense, right? Right. Because I feel like, yeah, Aim brings out more of like the good side of her. Zuko, I feel like 
most of her interactions with him in the season, it brings out more of her negative side. Yeah, like for sure. mainly with like the Southern Raiders, but like the negative side ultimately comes around and like she grows from that. Right, so. right. I ship Zuko and Katara as friends. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know if I really ship like Zuko and May either that much. It's like I. That's fine. Like it's. I don't. I'm not upset about it, but I don't know if that's like the best pairing of people either that's fair i mean i just find it funny because they're both like moody and hashtag emo, yeah they're just so like, like emo, the emo, emo kids together yeah <laughs> but i mean they do leave the little hint when she's a kid especially mm-hmm. when she totally has a crush on zuko it's just it's just funny that was cute yeah cute. i did like that it's like it gives her like she she cares i think she it's probably just heart. because we don't see a lot out of may in general that's true. I did some, some of it is because she is so, like, just portrayed as an emo girl and, like, emotionless or whatever, but I do, she, whatever she does get um, in the series, I think, is, you can definitely tell she cares, like, about Zuko deeply, so. Oh, yeah. It's probably, like, the one thing she cares about the most, besides probably Ty Lee in a way. Yeah, exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, uh, do we want to get into... The movie. You want to get into the movie that doesn't exist? Oh, yeah, the non-existent movie. The non-existing movie. Yeah. And how this almost crushed me. (laughs) It was... I feel like as a kid, because I did see it when it came out, but it was at the time where I wasn't as into the series, so I didn't mind it as much, and then when I rewatched it back later, I'm like, this is the most horrendous thing I've ever seen. It's just embarrassing <laughs> it really is it's sad it really is it's sad, so sad. Because, like, it's oh my god it's so number it's one like, it it's this like even if you take book one it there's too much there to can try to condense it into a movie there's it is you just that can't. was my first thought too yeah it just doesn't make sense why you would just make a movie out of 20 episodes. They had to cherry pick, I think, like five episodes and only include them in the movie. Because if you think about it, the only ones they really showcased were like the first um, two, three episodes, which is obvious you need that for the introduction. And then they had the blue spirit and they have imprisoned in there, but they make it wor- like way worse than the actual series. And then it's the, um, the Northern Water Tribe like finale stuff. And so yeah. that's only like seven-ish episodes of the whole twenty-episode series that you're even getting from the movie, and they like actively make every single one of those episodes worse than what they are in this um, TV show. Like, oh my god, it's just like they the say the characters is the wrong. most sad thing ever. Oh my gosh. M. Night, why did you have to disappoint me <laughs> oh so much? God. The just, worst in the CGI is terrible and the, maybe the it's worst scene in that movie good. is when they're in that prison and it takes like five people to move one rock and the rock is moving in a slow motion it's so bad it just doesn't make sense it doesn't like clearly sense. they didn't direct them well to like how the choreographed it and it's it's even worse because in the actual series they're imprisoned like on a metal ship in the middle of the ocean because they're earthbenders but in the movie they're just they're just straight up like like, in the wo- the forest somewhere. Like, there's earth everywhere. Like, why aren't they just, like, leaving? <laughs> like, did they just shove a sheet of metal underneath it? Yeah, so they it's can't like, do we anything? needed, like, we needed Katara to come tell the people that there's earth all around you. You can just get up and leave. Like, they didn't know that before. 
It's like, did they give up already? Like, how yeah. did they break their spirit? Right. From only, from those firebenders deriving fire from a fire pit. No. It's just. It's like, how did they take over the world? Like, what? like just deriving fire from a fire pit. Like, uh, what? I know, because they, they make, make it in the movie that. All. They make it in the movie that it's apparently a hard skill to just manifest fire out of nowhere, which is not a thing in the series at all. <laughs> Um, so it's they, dumb. every time the firebenders firemen, they happen to have a fire near them, and then instead of, um, Iroh having his lightning powers, they make it, he can manifest fire out of nowhere, and I'm just like, why did, why did we have to make that, like, a thing? Like, that was unnecessary, and it makes bending just look way less impressive. It just, it also just doesn't make sense as to how they conquered everyone. It doesn't. If it, they have it to bring fire with them everywhere, like, how are they gonna do that, like? It's like with the waterbenders. It makes sense why the waterbenders can't conquer anyone. Right, right. They don't have. You can't always find water everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like firebenders, they get the power from the sun. The yeah, heat comes like from if, within. If that's how it's gonna be, and like, like the earthbenders probably have the biggest advantage to take over everything. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. Even the airbenders, because air's pretty oh, much Oh yeah, the airbenders. Like, yeah, like why did they just get like genocide? The airbenders would be the most powerful at that point. It's like oh jeez. Mm-hmm. It's like also I think what I hate the most about this film is just like the lack of characterization. Because what makes the show for me is mm-hmm. how well developed the characters are. They These make all the characters so themselves. boring. They're so boring. They're shells of themselves. Sokka is like. Like a nothing in the entire movie. <laughs> He's pathetic in this movie. He just, it's sad. He's like got no purpose in that movie. It's like the actor for him was one of the actors of the. I think it was Jesper, the vampire from Twilight. Oh. Like clearly he was still acting as Jesper, who was so wooden mm-hmm. and like just not good, man. It's not good. The casting was bad. What they decided to do with the casting was just really bad. Dave Patel did try with Zuko, he did, but, like, he, he just did gave fine. him such bad lines. Like, he was okay. <sighs> and, like, Aang, I feel like the poor kid got screwed for failure. Yeah, Reminds me of, like, kid. what happened to the kid actor for Anakin Skywalker yeah. in, um, The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. It was just not good. The only part I liked about this whole movie was, like, the part with the blue spirit, I think, was nice. They, they pretty much kept that episode, um, pretty similar to what it is. At least the parts involving the blue spirit. So that was, I did like that. That's about the only good thing I have to say about the movie. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, at this point, it makes sense why someone would want to, say, remake that movie. Yep. <laughs> so moving on to that. Moving um, on. So live action remake mm-hmm. is apparently happening. They announced it, I think, back in, uh, Late 2018? Uh, or 2019? It's been a while. I, I think it was sometime 2019. I don't know when exactly. Yeah. So it's been a little bit. So that's happening, mm-hmm. but TBD at this point because. The coronavirus you know, is just like putting a pandemic. halt to life, yeah. Because it's. I mean, animated shows and movies are, can probably still happen so long as you have the equipment, but like mm-hmm. live action stuff, if it's not filmed. Right. Yeah, no, you gotta wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so, to what I know of, the creators are involved, bro, Brian and Mike are both involved in the creation of the show, which is a good thing. Yes, it's definitely better to have both of them involved in it. Yeah, 
to what I know of, they're still working on pre-production, which, I mean, they mm -hmm. can't really film, so might as well make pre-production as great as it can be at this point, you right. know? I mean, again, the filming's delayed, they haven't announced the cast, and they probably won't till they can actually start filming, film. yeah. Yeah. And then, um, who knows if they're even done casting at this point. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but, um, but a statement from them collectively, I think, is uh, we are thrilled for the opportunity to helm this live-action adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender, and we can't wait to realize Aang's world as cinematically as we always imagined it to be, with a culturally appropriate non-whitewashed cast. Yes, Which I, please. I want to break that down a little bit. Yeah. Because, like, to me, that implies that they always probably wanted to actually make this live action, mm -hmm. which is interesting. I think. And then, yay for not whitewashed cast. Yes. Because it makes sense with a show that's influenced by cultures from Asia mm -hmm. and martial arts from Asia. Right. It, it makes sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's... I think that's, like, also a direct call to the movie, because that was a big problem with the casting of the oh, yeah. movie, was it was whitewashed, and it was really bizarre. And so I appreciate that they're trying to take, like, active steps to really showcase, like, the show properly as what it was, because it was so heavily, like, Asian-inspired in the first place. I guess they also mentioned, too, about wanting to go more in-depth with certain characters, and maybe they could potentially create new minor arcs so what would you like to see from this remake i um i think the biggest thing is i don't want the story to be rushed through to the point obviously it's a tv show so they're gonna have more time to do things with it than they are the movie and so there's just like i just don't want to see it like rushed through i want to see at least the amount of like time that um we got in like, each episode of the TV series to, like, sort of be represented. I just, I really, I think I just want it to not be, like, rushed in. Because I think that can really ruin the entire vibe of the story. I agree with that. I hope they do make them a little bit longer. I don't know if they'll do an hour per episode, because this will probably be targeted towards, like, mainly kids and young teens, I imagine. Mm -hmm. um, but I hope probably more than, maybe close to the 40 minutes. 50, mm -hmm. I think it's fine for a show like this, maybe. But we'll see. Um, I guess another thing I hope for is that it doesn't bring up weird lore from Korra. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mainly from, like, um, the origins of the Avatar story. Because that's... I feel like they could potentially include some lore to make it right, more right. homogenous. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that would be the best for the show. Right. I do hope, though, that we will get an opportunity to go more in-depth in, like, maybe characters like, not just Zuko, but, like, maybe Iroh, maybe, like, Toph a little bit more, maybe, like, Suki even. Yeah. Like, certain character arts like that. You know what would be cool? I thought about. Mm -hmm. It'd be cool. I think it'd be cool to have, like, a Zuko, Suki, and, like, Toph adventure. Ooh. I feel like that could get interesting. That should be, that would be fun, yeah. 
Especially with, like, Suki. Mm-hmm. Because she definitely would feel a I, type of way I would love after... that because, you know, at the end of, like, book three, how it's, like, everyone went on, like, a life-changing field trip with Zuko or whatever. To just get, like, Suki and Toph also in one would be very... I would love that. That would make... That would... I think that'd be cool. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I do think if they went, yeah, more um, into, like, back, character backstories and sort of lore, I that would also... I would love that in the series, too. Yeah. They'll probably... I think they also said that they'll keep it within, like, the story arc of the original series. Yeah. So we probably won't get, like, Zuko's mom and her... Right, right. What happens to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe they could expand upon some other smaller details from the original series. Yeah. Hopefully. Assuming... Everything goes well. They get the film in. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. At some point. Yep. But yeah. Um. So, any final thoughts? I think we've talked a lot we about really, the series. We really have talked about everything that we can about the series. Um. Oh no, this show is amazing. Easily the best like children's show, if not like the best show, um, that I've ever watched. So, it's just so good. I highly recommend you watch it if you have it. I don't know why you're listening to this episode if you haven't watched it though. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, honestly, it's on Netflix now. It is. It is Go so easily ac- accessible now. Like, there is no reason you shouldn't watch it. It is amazing. Yeah. Like, sorry if you haven't watched it and we spoiled the whole thing for you, but you know what? Yeah, it's, it's been out for 15 years. <laughs> don't listen like, to the episode. <laughs> Maybe don't listen to this episode if um, Maybe you haven't not. seen the series. Sorry but... if we spoiled it for you. But, um, but yeah, honestly, this is probably the greatest kids show of all time. Definitely... It- I think it's up there for greatest Western cartoon. Oh, f- I don't know if it for beats sure. certain anime shows, but for sure, for sure, Western like cartoon. Yeah, it's up. Western it's cartoons. up there for sure. Yeah, it is up there for sure. Just go watch it. Please it's watch a fun it. Show. It's so good. It's it's fun. You're gonna. It's the 61 episodes is such a worth it journey. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like we had to stretch the theme of our podcast so much to just even make this episode but we're just like we're doing it anyway we love this show so much and we just have to and like again shout out to the amazing uh animators from south korea Mm -hmm. that helped create the show and design it to look as beautiful and as awesome as it is Mm -hmm. you know for sure yeah Mm -hmm. so with that um that's the end of our avatar the last airbender episode we will see you next time bye Bye.